Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bircher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 122, Systems Thinking. Now the whole idea of systems thinking seems a little bit uh, obnoxious to me in certain ways. I, I hate this idea of pretense. You know, one of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten about this show is that uh, I don't take myself too seriously. And I really don't want to come across as being another one of these jargon-ridden <clears throat> science types or, you know, under any umbrella about any of the subjects that I'm talking about. You know, take the field of philosophy, for example. Nothing annoys me more than philosophy because of the jargon, of the double speak, of the sort of complex verbiage to describe very simple things. It's almost as if it's like the opposite of layperson terminology. And science is guilty of this. And, you know, all of the separate disciplines in the world, whether it's economics or religion, you know, everybody creates like their own language. You know, almost as if to say, as a mechanism of separation. And that's not very inviting. It's not very fun. It's, I don't like reading philosophy because, you know, a philosophy author, and I don't mean to pick on philosophers, it's just a good example, it's something I read a lot and get annoyed by a lot, is they presume that everybody reading their article is aware of all of the pre existing arguments and have read all of the other philosophers. And so they, they give these, you know, what people thought these names and uh I, I just find it super annoying i mean you don't go if, if a doctor is trying to explain to you what's wrong with you they try the good ones try really hard to use sort of just common words to talk about things and not to use all this jargon and and, and i get it it's hard and it's whose job is it right is it the patient's job to elevate their understanding of the human body to better understand themselves or is it the job of the doctor to you know understand lay terminology to better explain things is it the philosopher's job to digest their argument so that a broad range of people can understand it when probably that broad range of people isn't going to be the ones reading about their argument anyway you know whose responsibility is it at the end of the day it comes down to the fact of you know who is your audience and do you want it to be broad or do you want it to be narrow and do you want to alienate people or you know from your discussion is that your is that your goal are you a lumper or a splitter are you inclusive or are you exclusive and this jargon thing reeks of exclusivity and separateness or separatist attitudes which i don't think get anybody anywhere uh, and it's another thing altogether if you're talking about something that only some tiny fraction of people would be into anyway. But I just think it's a good idea to reduce jargon and be inclusive um, in, a, in, in a spirit of connectedness, right? In a spirit of invitation. It's like I always said, I felt feel so unwelcome in churches because of the exclusive nature of the songs, the jargon, the dialogue, the, the assumptions that you sort of know all of these things. You know, if I'm going somewhere to learn something, that is the worst attitude that I can possibly imagine. And that gets us a little bit, a little bit of analogy, maybe background leading up to systems thinking, which I, which I think is, in, is intended to sort of understand as many elements and viewpoints as possible and to take into account 
these different things. And you know, I think it's just a general background. I, I, I don't know where this attitude came from in me. I don't know if it's because I studied ecology, which is necessarily basically as you go down a rabbit hole, you sort of pick a subject of interest and you think of the things that might be related to that subject or could be influenced by it or that it could influence and interact with and what might have some possible explanation uh, about some change in that subject or object that you see. And the, the, the set of possibilities gets really big and you have this open mind and you sort of have this lumper attitude and this let's include everything. Maybe this has something to do with it. Maybe it could be air temperature. Maybe it could be rainfall. Maybe it could be habitat. Maybe it could be you know, prey size, and, and you sort of just lump all these things in, and you go, okay, I, what do I need to consider as a potential related thing? And that gets pretty big, and then, you know, your models get large, and that's often hard to deal with, and the idea is to sort of simplify these things and go down that list of ridiculous numbers of variables and reduce them by probability. You know, this set don't have a lot to do with what's going on here and have a play a minimal role. And so for the time being, maybe we can put those to the side and focus on these other seemingly more important variables. And that's the idea sort of of systems thinking is it's, is that anything of interest, anything you can think of any subject you might want to study from relationships to financial systems, to political systems, to um, species, to the universe, to atoms, to chemicals, they're all going to have this potential to interact with other things. And so systems thinking looks at the parts, and then it looks at the interactions. And at some level, depending on what you're looking at, there are appropriate or inappropriate sort of scales of interactions. And the more or less you look at things from small scale to big scale that have a potential to interact with whatever subject object you're interested in, it sort of reveals a system of parts and then you're so you you identify some subset of the universe of all the infinite things in the world that have a potential to interact around this one target of interest say that's a rabbit or bitcoin or uh, 1957 f-150 you know you think of the things that might have something to do with that and uh and and then, then the next step is once you've sort of mapped those out and those become um sort of a static entity, which often are portrayed as boxes in a box and arrow format for visually studying these things. Um, then you talk about the interactions and those interactions between these boxes, between these static entities are often energy flows, right? As a sort of like seeing or passing energy on to one or driving to or coming out of or transforming into or, or something like that. And those are um, sort of represent motion from one state to the next. An example might be, uh, you know, a, a human being and then maybe their health uh, and then the relationship between their the human being and their regular health might have all these boxes, including things like diet and exercise. And the way that those 
elements of health might have other subsets, things like their body part, their physical body. And all these things might be linked together through arrows. Like when you exercise, your blood pressure goes up and that builds your muscle and that makes your heart healthier. But it can also have negative feedbacks. If you exercise too much, it might cause you, um, your blood pressure to be too high. I don't know. Um, it's difficult <laughs> to sort of come up with these things off the cuff. But it is a way to look at the world. And I don't really know much about the specifics of teaching you or teaching anybody systems thinking. The point is to say that what systems thinking is not is myopic. Very rarely is anything of interest, again, whether it's relationships, finances, political systems, 1957, you know, F-150 repair, whatever, very rarely is that a small, simple, um, low number of variables sort of system, right? Very rarely is it two things where like, um, you know, I don't know, your blood pressure is controlled by exercise. You would never sort of pr propose that model because you know there are lots of other things that might affect your blood pressure from any given time. Well, just time. You wouldn't walk into a doctor's office and say, take my temperature, and they go 98.9, .9, and you go, okay, am I going to die? Right? It's never as simple as that. But the whole purpose of this episode, most people make most things overly simplified. They look at things like somebody cut me off in traffic. That person is a jerk. You know, very rarely is, that, is it that simple? Is it about the, the attitude, the value, the position of that person, whatever it's, it's always more complex than that. And so looking at things as a, and, and knowing that there's going to likely be more to this story than you are initially observing is all I'm really interested in sort of emphasizing by the systems thinking model. And then to, to, to sort of follow that through its natural course, there's, there's usually a lot more things going on. And so I think if, if people made a shift from this bivariate, you know, the simplistic model of the world of saying most of the problems I have in my life, and let's focus on problems because that's what we do as humans. We're sort of have a negativity bias, right? We pick things out and we dwell on those. We rarely want to analyze the things in our lives that are good. Uh, we just take them for granted, unfortunately. And so we'll take something like, I've got back pain or I don't have enough money in the bank. And we'll sort of say, well, I don't have enough money in the bank because I don't have a good job. Um, and maybe we say something like, I don't have a good job because the world is unfair and I'm a victim. Maybe we go that far. Maybe we had two or three steps. But very rarely do we think about things like our local unemployment, um, our expectations of employment, our salary expectations, our educational background, our willingness to drive, our oh, maybe we live in a rural area and the number of jobs is just not as high as we think it is. We just have an inaccurate view of what the world really looks like because we oversimplify it. And, uh, and um, the back pain thing, you know, oh, my back hurts. Well, I, I'm just born unlucky. Or, you know, well, I slept bad last night. Or I got an injury in high school. You know, we never think about things like, well, I don't stretch enough. I'm not very limber. You know, it might actually be because, you know, my leg muscles are compensating or my back muscle is compensating for some injury in my knees. 
uh, and maybe I need this to stretch more, or maybe I'm not strong enough, or maybe my bed is wrong. There's so many possible explanations, and, and I can see here what you're thinking, and I'm not suggesting that we overly overcomplicate the world. Really, what I'm saying is we're kind of over on this, the pendulum has swung way to the right where we consider very few variables. We automatically think we're right in some simplistic explanation that probably isn't right and probably is slightly more complicated than being one or two things. And I'm not suggesting then that we swing all the way in the other direction and think of every possible variable that might in some small, tiny way be related. But yet we find some... You know, we take baby steps toward that direction and away from the simplistic direction. Um, it's a, there's a, there's a, a Goldilocksian sweet spot here that's only a few steps away from where I think most people are. And I think it's just a matter of opening our minds enough to, to, to accept that there might be more going on than we think. We might be wrong. I don't know. I probably don't know everything. Look at the last episode. And now let's look at the next one, two, three, four things that are probably or likely to be related. And this is the skill set, right? I didn't, this is something that I, again, I, I don't know if I've always done it or if I learned it from ecology um, or from psychedelics. I, I, you know, I don't know why it's easy for me to sort of come up with a short list of five to 10 things that have a high probability of influencing whatever it is that I'm interested about. Quickly, it's almost like, um, I can rank these things pretty quickly as being potential influencing variables. And, and maybe that's because of my history and statistics. I mean, it's definitely what I had to do in ecology. Why are there fewer fish in this stream than this stream? Well, what are the things that influence fish? Well, food, habitat, temperature, you know, um, distribution uh, geographically. What's their history, life history? time of year there's you know there's there's a finite set of things and then from that finite set of things and maybe it's still a hundred things and i talked about this in another episode there's a probability of each one of those things having a strong influence on whatever is its presence or absence or whatever it is about that fish that i'm interested in or size or weight or numbers density uh and I'm going to be able to quickly sort of go through those and go, yeah, this probably isn't important or it's not really important this time of year uh, or whatever. And so in, a, in the long way, we do this by writing all this, you know, throwing all this stuff up onto a board with the all hundred variables and then all the arrows between all the variables as being potential interactions and then kind of working on the process of elimination. Of course, the other way to do this is to look at the world and go, I'm broke. Um, I think it's because the world sucks. So right now you've got a map of, you know, the world sucking and then you're being broken, an arrow being drawn from the world to you uh, in a negative way and, and in creating, you know, almost as causing that effect. And so we can look at that and go, yeah, that's probably a little over simplistic. That might not explain everything. And so what's next in that variable? Well, you know, I don't have a lot of work experience. Okay, maybe that's a bubble on there, and that's one of the things that's influencing you. Uh, and then and then the point of all this is, once you have the six or ten top variables that you think might be influencing why you were broke, what is there something, and this is where we get creative, is there something on here that I can do about any of these things? Or how might I influence my position in this model, in this system, to improve my chances of having more money in the bank? Let's see if I can't walk through just a couple of quick examples 
Well, let's continue that one. I think finance is a pretty good thing. So we might come up with things like where we live, what our work history is, how old we are, how we're presenting ourselves in interviews. Is our resume any good? Are we, what kind of jobs are we targeting? What's the, the gap between our interest and our experience? And, and try to start lining these things up and go, well, you know, I am applying for, um, uh, you know, head chef job at the fanciest restaurants in town. And I've never actually worked at a restaurant. I'm a hobbyist and cook at home. What do what do other kitchen employees, what do their resumes look like? What kind of things have they done that get them hired? Oh, wow, it looks like a lot of them have had experience at other restaurants. Well, maybe I should get a job at a less um, esteemed restaurant for a while and just, you know, learn the ropes. Maybe that will enhance my resume and get me a better job. Maybe it's because my resumes aren't typed. It turns out like most of the resumes that these places receive are typed and I'm writing mine in brown crayon. Uh, maybe that has something to do with it. It's probably not going to be that simple. Uh, but you can, you, can, you can figure out what others have done, what has worked before, what the data show, what the scientific record explains, and kind of build that into your model. You can, instead of relying on our own thoughts, we can look outside of ourselves, admit that we might not know everything, and then try to figure out how to fill in the blanks and the research. Uh, and as far as looking on the internet, asking friends, talking to uh, prospective employers are going to help you fill in those financial maps that may actually help you get a better job and get more pay and then, you know, get more money in the bank. And, and part of that is that model I just laid out right there. They realize you, the reason you may not have any money in the bank isn't just related to your job, right? It's, it's related to your expenses and these other things. And so there's these arrows that go from income to spending habits and expenditures and budget uh, all through all these different things. And then sort of the uh, ultimate response variable in that model is the number in your bank account. And maybe as you go back up that model, you go right here, I'm, I'm putting a lot of things on my credit card and I'm not paying it off. And every month I've got compounding interest of 18%. And a huge chunk of my money is going to things that I'm actually not spending money on. So what if I removed the credit card altogether or paid off my balance ahead of time and reduced my budget by this um, expense of uh, compounded interest? Oh, wow, look, I've got $200 more a month. Things like that. Um, politics could be another example where you think, um, I don't, I don't ever see people that look like me in office, yet I choose not to vote, or yet I live in some place where the majority of the people, 75% say, think differently than me. Um, there's a couple of things you could do, right? You need to understand who's passing the laws, who's making the rules, who's putting them in office, and how all that works. And honestly, this is a bad example for me because I don't really understand how many of these things work. And then you might be able to like change some of those individual relationships. Maybe you want to move to a new district. Maybe you want to become politically active and help influence some of the people who aren't voting that you know or would vote the way that you do uh, and sort of manipulate that uh, system for your benefit or at least attempt to. And again, maybe this is a terrible example. Uh, another example I'll hit on real quick is relationships. You know, classic spousal relationship if your spouse does something that annoys you or that you think annoys you you get angry 
And then a lot of times you don't want to say anything about that because you're afraid it's going to cause more trouble. And then you end up resenting them for doing this thing that makes you angry. Um, and you, you are basically saying that your anger, the simple model, your anger is a box that has an energy arrow flowing into it from your spouse. Your anger is direct result of your spouse. That's almost never the full story. <laughs> your anger is going to have lots of different variable uh, arrows flowing or lots of different flows coming from lots of different places. You may not like your job. You may not be sleeping well. You may have a poor diet. You may have made decisions in the past that you regret. And when you um, talk to your wife, it reminds you of something that you did before you even met her. All of these things are going to feed in. So you really have to, this is what self-help is essentially is looking at your emotions as a system of these related entities and figuring out which ones you can control and which ones you can't control. Hopefully that's enough of an introduction to systems thinking. And I think we're going to be talking more about that in the future. But remember, life is more complicated than we make it out to be, but it's less complicated than it needs to be. And by looking at things as these causal relationships of A causes B, but B might also feed back on A and which causes this, and this may not be that important, and what's the probability of these things happening? By, by making these maps mentally or actually on a whiteboard or something like that or a piece of paper, you may find that it's going to give you more information. It might make you feel better. It might give you insight that wasn't there before. And the key is to look outside the box beyond what you think you know and this is just one simple way of doing that and sort of helping make sense of the world and i hope that helps you and i hope you've enjoyed this episode of knowledge plus experience equals wisdom episode 122 systems thinking i'll see you next week take it easy